Hello, my name is Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price, a medical oncologist and president of Lung Cancer Canada. Welcome to our podcast series called Lung Cancer Voices. In this series of podcasts, I'm interviewing patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, some of the leading lung cancer researchers in the country, indeed in the world, to highlight important and relevant issues facing those affected by lung cancer. In this podcast, I'm speaking with Dr. Stephen Lamb, a respirologist at BC Cancer in Vancouver, and I think the leading Canadian expert on lung cancer screening, which in my personal view has the potential to be the single most important step forward in improving lung cancer outcomes for a generation. Dr. Lamb's the principal investigator on the PANCAN lung cancer screening study. He is published in the most preeminent medical journals, and he's a, a tireless advocate for lung cancer screening. So, uh, Dr. Lam, welcome to the podcast. Dr. Winnie Price, thank you for having me to participate. So, to set the scene, um, lung cancer is the most common cancer in Canada, around 29,000 cases anticipated this year in 2019. And the majority of those are in the classification non-small cell lung cancer. And unfortunately, the current five-year survival rate, which is a measure of how many people remain alive five years after diagnosis, is dismal at around 17 to 18%. And that's in contrast to other common cancers like prostate cancer with a five-year survival of 95% and breast cancer, which is in the mid to high 80% range. And one of the reasons that the survival rate is so low is because about half the time people are diagnosed with lung cancer, it's already at the incurable stage or stage four. And then maybe another 20 to 25% of the time, the cancer's at stage three, which, although potentially curable, still has high recurrence rates. And only a relatively small percentage of about a quarter of people are diagnosed at stage one or two, where the odds are now more in favor of a cure. So, Dr. Lamb, to start with then, could could you first describe, given that context, what is a screening test in principle, and then what's the specific screening test that we're going to talk about for lung cancer? So, screening tests is to detect early disease in apparently healthy individuals who do not have symptoms. In the case of lung cancer screening, um, the test is to uh, detect the uh, a small early cancer in high-risk individuals, and the test we use is called low-dose CT scan. Okay, so that seems to remind me of what I was taught at medical school, that that principle is it's in someone who doesn't have symptoms, because yeah. if they had symptoms, hopefully they'd be yeah. going and getting a test this anyway. Right, yeah. Okay, and and the low-dose CT scan that you mentioned there, is, is that an easy test? Is, is it a safe test? The local CT scan is a very simple and safe test. All the person has to do is to lie down and uh, take a deep breath and hold it for about 12 seconds. And uh, the scanner would scan from the top of the lung to the upper abdomen. So it is very, very uh, comfortable and safe test. Easily available? Can, can it be done on any CT scan? We have CT scans across the country. Most of the CT scanners that we have now in hospitals uh, will be up to standard um, for CT screening, but we usually use a phantom to calibrate the scanner uh, to make sure that it is uh, uh, up to the job. Okay, and uh, specifically you, you said it was low-dose CT scan. What, what do you mean by low-dose? 
So a low-dose CT scan only have about uh, 20% or less of a standard uh, medical scan. So the dosage we give is equivalent to taking a flight uh, from Vancouver to London, for example, or less than six months of environmental exposure. Okay, so very, very safe. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So there's a scenario with, with uh, screening called a false positive where uh, someone would go along uh, for their low-dose CT scan and it shows something abnormal, but that abnormal thing isn't actually lung cancer. So it's a false positive um, test. Um, in lung cancer screening, are false positives common? And how do you deal with false positives? CT scan is a very sensitive test. So objects or spots or what we call nodules, as small as one millimeter can be detected uh, by the CT scan. So about 20% of people uh, in the age group of 55 to 80 who have one or more little spots or nodules uh, in their lungs uh, in a CT scan. Uh, but, we can, um, but the majority of them are actually uh, not cancerous. So this is what people call false positive. Uh, but we can actually minimize uh, the false positive um, by uh, risk prediction models. And this is actually a Canadian um, invention um, that we develop uh, a very accurate pan-Canadian uh, lung cancer uh, malignancy risk uh, prediction uh, score that we can look at the nodule and de determine uh, what is the probability uh, that the little nodule or spot is cancerous uh, or suspicious that require follow-up imaging uh, or a biopsy. So only a very small proportion of people will end up having a repeat uh, imaging study or even less proportion getting a biopsy. Okay, so, so let me make sure that I understand that correctly. So let's say I come along for a scan. I think you said there's a w one in five chance that there'll be something on my scan, but of those things that are on my scan, most of them will turn out to be n nothing. And because of some of this... Uh, mathematical modeling that's been developed in Canada, you can be even more accurate in reassuring me that, that something's likely to be benign. And if it's not like that, then you've got a plan to arrange a biopsy or a, another check scan. Is, was that getting it right? Yeah, that's right. Um, we have a very accurate risk prediction model uh, to uh, determine whether uh, the nodule or spot is uh, cancerous um, and then we'll guide our next step in terms of follow-up. Um, it's only going to be getting better with time. Um, people will have heard about uh, what we call artificial intelligence or deep learning. Uh, we can actually be even more precise uh, with this new technology to determine whether something is cancerous that will require attention. I was blown away by the, the technology that's uh, changing our lives as clinicians. So I mentioned at, at the beginning that, that currently around 50% of patients uh, diagnosed with lung cancer are stage four at diagnosis and only about 20 to 25 percent are at that stage one or two. What happens to those numbers when you introduce low-dose uh, screening CT scans? So in contrast to clinically diagnosed lung cancer, less than 10% uh, of the patients would have what we call stage 1A, uh, the earliest uh, stage of the lung cancer. 
but with lung cancer screening program, somewhere between 50% to 60% of the lung cancer that are detected are stage 1A. So this, uh, this five-year survival uh, of the screen detect lung cancer treated by surgery is very good. Um, th th they're over 80% five-year survival uh, compared to overall dismal figure that we are seeing in lung cancer that is less than 18%. So from 18% five-year survival that we've got now, you're saying to an 80% five-year survival for those that through screening get detected at the earliest stage. That's right. So 50 to 60% uh, of the uh, participants in the screening program would have stage 1A disease that would benefit from curative surgery. And just to, to describe stage 1A, that really earlier stage, so that's a, that's a lung cancer which is less than two centimeters? Yeah, um, the upper limit is three centimeters, three but centimeter. the majority actually two centimeters or less. Okay. But, but tumors that are small then and, and have not spread to any, any lymph nodes or, or anywhere else. That's right, yeah. yeah. And was there a difference? Did you see a difference in the stage four proportion in, in the screening? Did you detect anyone at stage four? So essentially, we flipped the stages, what we call stage shift. Um, in, the clinical, um, in a clinical situation, 50% uh, of the patients are uh, stage four. Um, the, but in a, in a screening program, 50% to 60% are stage 1A. So we can see the proportion just shift and uh, we have a smaller proportion of people uh, who are found in a stage 4 disease. Wow. That's, so that's a, a huge change in the stage of lung cancer. So in principle, that means many lives saved in principle. So in the, in the lung cancer screening trials that have been done, has it actually turned out like that or is this just theoretical? I mean... Yeah, so we now have two large randomized um, clinical trials uh, that show the benefit of low-dose CT screening versus no screening or compared to conventional chest X-ray. So uh, the results are, are similar to what I described. And also in the pan-Canadian early lung cancer study, um, that we have 60% uh, uh, of the participants with stage 1A lung cancer and about 10% uh, with stage 4 lung cancer. Wow, it's remarkable. And when you're developing a program like this, uh, how many people would you need to scan uh, in the screening program to, f to find someone with lung cancer or to save someone's life? So in the National Lung Screening Trial in the U.S., uh, the number needed to save uh, one person from dying of lung cancer um, is 1 to 320. Now, using the risk prediction model that is uh, developed by Canadian investigator Dr. Tamamagi, uh, the number is probably half, probably one to uh, less than 160. Now, this is in contrast to uh, current existing screening program. So, for example, in colorectal screening program, uh, the number is one to 1,250. And in the case of mammography for breast cancer screening, it's one to about 462, depending on the age group. Wow. So let me just repeat that, because that's quite a stark number. Because as a, as a healthcare society, we've accepted uh, mammogram screening for uh, many decades now, and that's been very successfully implemented. So we think that it, depending on the age range, about 450 women would need to have a mammogram for to save one life. For colorectal cancer screening, it's more than a thousand people screened to save a life. But with lung cancer, it's 
maybe less than 200. That's right, yeah. So, so then if lung cancer screening is so effective, how come we don't know about it as much? And uh, it, is it available? Is it coming? So the problem with lung cancer is because of the past stigma about smoking. Uh, people c perceive this is a self-inflicting type of disease. So, but unfortunately, uh, uh, over 50% of the lung cancer patients that we see now, uh, what we call former smokers, they have stopped smoking. Um, and then the only a, s uh, a smaller proportion of people are still smoking. And then we're seeing increasing number of never smokers uh, who now have lung cancer. So uh, we know that from cost-effective analysis, lung cancer screening uh, is, is cost-effective uh, and maybe even cost-neutral or cost-saving. Uh, so depending uh, on what kind of uh, uh, expensive treatment that we are uh, having for treatment of advanced lung cancer. So I'm understanding from you then that it saves lives, it's effective, uh, you can do it in any CT scanner across the country, it's probably cost-effective, saves money by not spending money on people with stage 4 disease with all the expensive drugs. So is it available? Can uh, I know in US people can go and get screened. What, what, what about in Canada? Have the provinces done anything about this yet? So in Canada, only in Ontario uh, has a publicly funded uh, pilot screening program um, in three sites, going to expand to four sites uh, uh, this month. Uh, but in the rest of the Canada, we only have Cancer Foundation and Hospital uh, Foundation funded uh, pilot screening program. So it is our hope that we can implement um, non-cancer screening program uh, across all provinces and territories. Yeah, that would be that would be wonderful. And certainly, Lung Cancer Canada is uh, actively lobbying uh, the federal government and provincial governments to to that point to to, to introduce uh, screening. So here's the hot button question, Stephen: Who's eligible for lung cancer screening? C can anyone access this? So right now, um, in Canada, uh, in the pilot uh, programs, uh, only people uh, b between the age of 55 to 80 uh, who satisfy a risk threshold using a risk prediction model um, uh, that we developed in Canada and tested prospectively and found to be accurate. Uh, so lung cancer is really uh, a high risk screening program. It's not like mammography or colorectal screening uh, where uh, people about a certain age group um, that will be eligible for the study. The reason for that is, is uh, lung cancer screening uh, is a process. It's not a simple test. Um, it is a, a sensitive, but it's also a, a more expensive test compared to this other screening program. So we have to focus to very high-risk individual who would benefit the most uh, from screening uh, into the program. And what's the threshold? Is, is there a certain thing that you'd say, okay, if, if I've got a... 2% risk of developing lung cancer in the next 10 years or a 10% risk or a 0.5% risk? Is that kind of how you, you do it? And if I meet that threshold, I would get in? Yeah, so right now in the Cancer Care Ontario pilot program, um, they use a threshold 2% lung cancer risk over six years. And could you give, um, give me a sense cause, or, or a bit more detail on... on what would make someone have a risk of more than 2%? Is it is, is cigarette smoking history a core part of that, or are there other factors as well? 
So uh, the lung cancer risk prediction model that we use in Canada, uh, based on more than uh, age and, uh, and smoking history alone. So we include uh, things like a family history of lung cancer, uh, the presence or absence of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, the socioeconomic level, ethnicity, um, and the past history of, uh, of uh, uh, cancer. Uh, and we also do uh, a more uh, vigorous smoking history than pack years um, alone because we know pack years is not a very accurate measure of smoking. Just to clarify for that, uh, pack years is a measure of uh, how much somebody smoked. So if somebody I it has been a cigarette smoker and smoked on average a, a packet of cigarettes a day for one year, then that would be called one pack year. Uh, and we've often measured, uh, used that as a, as a measure. Um, but what I'm hearing from you is that actually the, the risk model is much more complex than just uh, whether somebody's been a cigarette smoker or not. It brings in all of these other factors that you mentioned. That's right, yeah. So we all know that uh, pack yeast is a very crude measure. Um, people, so they start smoking at a lower uh, rate and then they reach a peak and sometimes they try to stop uh, and then maybe restart at a lower rate before they finally stop smoking. So uh, to average it out um, and use what we call pack years as you described uh, is very uh, a more crude measure compared to using more detailed uh, measurements that we have in the risk prediction model. Okay, so, r so right now, and, and we're recording this uh, in early February 2019, um, uh, in Canada, the only public program is the, is the pilot program that you mentioned in Ontario, um, which uh, I'm happy about because that's where I practice, and in, in Ottawa, where I am, is one of the, the pilot sites. Um, but it's just those few centers. What would be your hopes and your expectations for lung cancer screening in Canada over the coming months and the coming year or two? So it's a very positive step that Ontario uh, leads the way uh, for lung cancer screening. So I think it provides the impetus for the rest of the country uh, to also follow uh, the same routes to implement uh, lung cancer screening, uh, provincial rise or across uh, territories. So that's terrific. Um, and Dr. Lam, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the Lung, lung Cancer Canada podcast series and walking us through what lung cancer screening is. Your commitment to bringing lung cancer screening research and programs to Canada has been, continues to be a remarkable um, demonstration of leadership in this. Thank you again for joining us. Lung Cancer Voices was made possible in part by a generous donation from Marielle and Nick Burris. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Mullen. Please send us your feedback, like and follow us on Facebook at LungCan and on Twitter at LungCancer underscore can. For more information about lung cancer or to donate, volunteer or share your story, visit our webpage at lungcancercanada.ca.